Polyhedron is a production of Headcanon Games, LLC. Please bookmark Headcanon Games for the latest in Polyhedron news. Polyhedron is sponsored by listeners like yourself. If you'd like to become a patron of Polyhedron, please go to patreon.com slash polyhedron. Now, on with your show. Hello and welcome to Polyhedron, your multifaceted podcast for everything RPG related. I am your host, Matthew, and as always, I have my two co-hosts here, Ryan. Hey. And Scott. How's it going? And in addition, live in studio via Skype, we have another great friend of the show, Mr. Eloy uh, Santa. is that correct? Yeah, Eloy. Yeah, Eloy Lasanta. Ah, ah, well, welcome to Polyhedron, mister. And how are you doing today? <laughs> I'm doing really good. I, I like the way that you introduced me as live and in studio via Skype and totally recorded. All right, Eloy, it's my job to give Matt shit. I'm going to say that well, right no, now. Well, no, he's fitting in perfectly. Okay. Perfectly. It's true. <laughs> Giving Matt shit is part of the podcast experience. Oh, here yeah, <laughs> Yeah, uh, so as you can tell, uh, audience, we have an extra person in uh, as far as this as a part of this conversation, and so um, we're kind of just going to get right into it. Eloy is a good buddy I met at DragonCon a little while back, and he is the owner, developer, and writer for a game company called Third Eye Games. Um, he has many, many different uh, different game systems and different genres of games under his belt, and he is here to talk about his many and wonderful projects. Amongst other things. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Oh, what are those other things? I'm intrigued now. I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm obviously here to talk about gaming, but, oh, yeah. um, you know, if movies or comics or any of those other things come up, hey, I'm, I'm well-versed. I am, go I am a Logan certified tonight, geek. Oh, yeah, Logan. Logan, that's coming up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, like, my molecules are vibrating right now. It was a genuine discussion because it was releasing day. Like, that was an actual discussion. Like, what do you mean it's we're recording on the second? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, um, it's not an all-day event, guys, I swear. Yeah. As much as it is in your head, uh, for, for pull back the curtain a little bit, obviously, uh, when you do any sort of production like this, you have to you know schedule and plan to make sure everyone is where they need to be at the right time. Well, exactly. tonight happens to be the night that I'm going to go see Logan, and I have to do this wonderful interview with Eloy. So I'm like, okay, make sure I have enough time between everything so I don't like want to blow my brains you out. You get to, young man. Remember that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But we're getting off topic. We're going we're going off the rails, as it were. Um, so let's talk about Eloy. Um, Eloy, tell us about Third Eye Games. What's it about? What kind of games uh, do you got going on there? Well, uh, well, Third Eye Games is a company that I started uh, not too long ago, uh, actually, uh, just under a decade ago, actually, mm-hmm. um, where I had decided I wanted to start making my own games. Uh, that was actually um, revolutionary at the time. There weren't that many companies <laughs> at, that, at that particular moment 10 mm-hmm. years ago. Um, you know, like eight years ago is when like everybody and their mom now has a gaming company, but 10 <laughs> years ago completely different story yeah that was a different uh, <laughs> time because you had white wolf had kind of gone away and that had been replaced by mm-hmm. um onyx path type of stuff and then dd was still sort of it was up third was at fourth. fifth at, yeah it was still in the middle of fourth it was in the it was the tail end of fourth yep. and so a lot of the smaller companies started rising up because there was a vacuum um exactly. yours obviously being one of them um and so yes what was your first game uh, my first game was um, Apocalypse Prevention Inc. Hmm. 
and that is my Buffy Men in Black kind of uh, juxtaposition game. So it's uh, action horror with a twist of humor. Uh, we actually just released the second edition not too long ago, maybe about a year or two ago. And uh, a lot of people really like like a lot of the cool changes that we made. And we we bumped up the number of different demons that you can play as. There's Now there's 20 instead of 10 out of the original book. Um, really, really fun game. Uh, it uses uh, one of the very first systems that I made. It uses a revamped version of that called the Dynamic Gaming System. Uh, which is uh, you know a system that uses a single d20 for everything because that was kind of my goal at that at that time was let me figure out a way to use as few dice as possible. I'm I'm not one of those people who like carry around briefcases full of dice. <laughs> yes, uh, you know some people are and some people really like that. And sometimes I tell them I'm like yeah this game only uses one d20 and they go um, I don't know if I want that. I'd like to roll thousands of dice. But Mutants you know, and Masterminds uh, did something similar. I, I don't I don't know how well it exactly worked out. I mean I only played a little bit of it. Yeah, it was basically just a d20. That's what Mutants and Masterminds has almost always strived to be because it was all based on the open gaming license of of D and D at the time of Wizards of the Coast. And so it, they could use it without too much issue. Um, and so right. from, was it a, uh, was it Disaster Prevention Inc., was it? Apocalypse Prevention Inc. Apologize, Apocalypse Prevention Inc. Yeah, don't downplay it. Dude. Oh, I'm Come sorry, on. sorry, sorry. It's <laughs> bigger and better than that. Which one did you go from there? I mean, obviously you got some steam from that. Where What was the next big project? So the next big project after that um, was the, uh, the Ninja Crusade which we also just released a second edition of last year. Yeah, I saw uh, that. Yeah, so but that was actually my second game, um, and it took like six, I think it was about six years later that I ended up making a second edition um, where the original one used the same dynamic gaming system that API used, uh, but uh, with the second edition, we revamped everything. It got its own brand new system mm -hmm. uh, called the Chakra System, and it is um, pretty amazing. It uses D10 pools mm -hmm. instead of a single D20 because I was playing around with doing some different things with that. Uh, so um, my goal as a game designer has always been to to push my own boundaries and try new things that I have never tried before, um, which is uh, – that's one of my big things um, that I like to do whenever I'm designing something. Oh yeah, you you definitely sound like a man after my own heart as far as designing goes. I've I've definitely taken my hand to some 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 creation and just trying to figure out different ways you can look at it like a kind of like a prism and just see the different sides tell you what they what they look like. Exactly. I actually speaking of interesting systems, I actually did want to bring up Sins of the Father because I I really really like uh, RPGs that include a deck. I don't I don't actually know whether you. Uh, Sins of the Father includes a specialized deck, but I've always enjoyed that sort of like adding sort of random aspects via cards to a RPG gameplay. I've only played one other game that's ever done that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Sins of the Father is actually the the latest game that I created. I cre I made it just before Gen Con last year. Um, so it it basically the entire game uses just regular playing cards. Um, so everybody has their own deck. And uh, and then the um, the GM has two decks, um, and it's really just kind of a bunch of flipping cards and having fun with it. <laughs> so uh, that was also one of those things where you know I I had just created Ninja Crusade where I had gone from a D20 to D10s, 
And then the next game, I wasn't sure if I even wanted to have dice. So I was like, <laughs> let's try something with playing cards uh, cool. just to see if I can make it happen. Let me see if I can even come up with something that's original enough that I think people would like. Um, and I always had the idea of Sense of the Father of, uh, of basically people, you know, waking up one day and finding out that your soul was already sold to um, a dark lord before you were even born. Uh, I'm a big fan of that concept. You and me both. Uh, <laughs> from uh, well, and I even reference like the show Reaper. Uh, oh, love that show! Oh, such a good show. And you can play that with Sons of the Father. It uh, depends on what what you know tone you want to have. There's tips in there for kind of a middle tone for a more grim tone or for a humorous tone uh, to kind of help you kind of gear the game towards the way you want it to go. Oh, absolutely. Um, but yeah, that's basically the concept. Yeah, a, a concept that we're pretty bullish on on this uh, show is uh, the idea of mechanics as metaphor, uh, where you know, the, the system and the themes of the game, if you can, if you can mush those together and say, now kiss uh, as, as close as you can... <laughs> Uh, that 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 uh, that usually gets our hackles raised, and it sounds like you uh, you like to do a lot of experimentation and uh, making sure that that uh, you know what you're playing with fits together very well. Well, I think that that's I think that that's at the core of game design in general. Um, there's actually a lot of different systems out there, and obviously we'll be coming to talking about uh, my my newest system. Uh, the PIP system, which is kind of new and kind of not new at the same time. Uh, but um, there's a lot of systems out there that, you know, people say, this is the system that I like. Um, so I'm going to take every setting that I like and I'm going to jam it into the system. Uh, and it's that's not necessarily the, the route that I take. I try to take every game into consideration and I try and morph the mechanics to make sure that I am pushing forth the themes and um, what the experience is supposed to be like out of uh, any individual game that you play. And I know people can't see it, but you should have seen the look on both Scott and Mai's face when you started talking about that and like how people were like, yeah, let's just put my, let's put my peanut butter in my, my, like my, my mayo. And then just, we're just like, no, you don't do that. <laughs> I got into, uh, actually, and this is a little bit of an aside, I'm on a Discord server for a whole bunch of uh, Warhammer 40k RPG stuff, uh, mm -hmm. the stuff I've been mentioning like repeatedly on this show, uh, and somebody, that was a conversation we had the other night, was like the whole, like, why can't you just use any system for 40k, and I was like, because the themes and the ideas that you're, you're coming together, the specialized mechanics are not going to make it feel like the way you think. Sure, you can use the Fate system for 40K. You can go right ahead and do it. But it won't be as specialized and won't feel as 40K-ish as you want it to. You can run any game in the Dungeons & Dragons system, man. Mm. You just shouldn't. <laughs> I think I'm about to blow a gasket here. That's right, Matt. Get real mad. <laughs> uh, but anyways, let's, it's not about me getting mad. It's not about hating on the on the on the people here. It's just about Eloy and what he's here all about. Yeah, so, so since we're talking system, I mean, you you did like allude to the fact that the PIP system is in fact kind of new, but kind of not new. Are, are we in, talking in reference to like the PIP system from like West End Games and like back in the day? Is is this some sort of thing building upon that or just a complete revamp of the d6 system um well it's 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 a it's a system that i created called the pip system um it's called that because uh for for, for a few different reasons um one is pip is uh something that you would call a small kid 
you can call him a pip. Um, yep. Pips are also the little dots on the dice, um, and it uses d6s uh, primarily. Uh, so that's kind of where the the name of the system came from. It was kind of organic when I came up with it. Um, but it basically is the the system that I use for my family style games. Um, and I've released a few different family style games. One was uh, Mermaid Adventures. Mm-hmm. Uh, one was uh, Infestation, um, an RPG of Bugs and Heroes, as well as um, uh, Camp Myth, the RPG was uh, my my actually only licensed RPG that I released, and we don't we no longer have that license, so it's not going to be part of the new Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, but we released three games, all of which were nominated for best family game at the Innies. Um, because it was basically designed to to do that, to facilitate um, bringing uh, families together, bringing you know parents and kids, or even just kids together, or even just parents. Uh, I've <laughs> I've, uh, I've run this game uh, pretty much at at any con, and you can run it in any iteration uh, um, with uh, many different themes, and it all kind of works. Um, it obviously plays to a certain play style that you're looking for. Right. Um, you know the dice the dice system and everything is very simplistic um it's very uh narrative driven there it's not you know it's not minis combat or anything like yeah, it's, that it's, it's very whimsical that's what something i notice about the systems that you have because that's what i find actually interesting as i was like re- doing research for this interview is the idea that you are one of the few guys that i know are making games for young adults and young and even older children um, which I find f- quite fascinating from a design perspective because you have to take their mindset and their developmental age in mind when creating a system. And I, I find that extremely fascinating, as I said. Um, which which one was first? Was Mermaid Adventures the first one that you used for the Pips? Mermaid Adventures was the first one. Um, it's so interesting, too, because when I first came out with it, um, you know, I had it next to ninjas and secret agents and you know, and gods, and then I had mermaids. Uh, so <laughs> I had, had you know, I would, I would be at Gen Con and I'd have people coming up to the booth and they'd be like, mermaid adventures, huh? All right, that doesn't really fit the theme of what you're doing here. Uh, you know, but I think it was because it was the first, but then the next year I came out with another and the next year I came out with another and then they were being nominated for awards and then, you know, it's like, then I had... I started getting lots of kids coming to my booths and running games for kids at the cons and like all kinds of stuff. So it's really become uh, kind of its own kind of crazy, you know, train that I'm on now is, you know, I started with just making a game that I kind of wanted to play with my own kids and mm-hmm. then it's turned into something that is enabling um, parents everywhere, even people who don't role play um, sometimes pick up the game and then they play it with their kids, and then they become role players because they wanted to have some sort of activity to do with their kids. And and I like uh, that a lot. I mean, it's more than just like I've heard stories of young gamers who like my parents got me in with D and D, but that's probably the only game they really could. Either that was the only game that was really around, or one of the games that could be aged appropriately for that person. Um, and I'm, I'm, it's very interesting. So was your daughter or one of your children, the inspiration for wanting to do that? Was that, I mean, obviously you wanted to do it with your children, but did you have your child at that time? And was yeah, that yeah. just a, yeah. direct Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my daughter's 13 now, but, um, when I made the game, she was seven. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, <laughs> um, she was really in a little mermaid at the time and <laughs> she would watch it every day. So I was like, well, let me make this a uh, mermaid themed as well. 
Um, and the system itself is pretty simple. It uses uh, uh, two different pools of dice. Um, white and black is what we ended up using um, for the core of the system, but it can be any two colors. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, basically you roll your, your white dice or your positive dice, your black dice or your negative dice. Um, you get however many you're supposed to have. You roll them together, and you're looking for more successes on your white dice than your black dice. So visually, it's really easy um, for you know um, a kid or somebody who's new to role playing to pick up and say, okay, a four, five, and a six is a success, and I want more of those on my white dice than my black dice. All right, I got this. This system's easy. Right. I, you know, I got it. Right. Um, there's a bunch of intricacies that can affect your dice pools and. Um, you know, all kinds of stuff like that, but that's the core of it right there, just like how the core of another game is roll a d20 and you're trying to hit a 10, 20, 30, 30 40. You know, it's like, yes, that's the core of it, but there's a lot of kind of kind of little bits that you can yeah, tweak there's, here there's and there. There's nuance to it. <laughs> there's more nuance to it if you want there to be nuance for it. Exactly. Um, the reason, actually, that I ended up using the black and white dice, I always like to share the story because it was just kind of funny. Um, I was playing a lot of Fiasco at the time, um, and if you've played Fiasco, you know that Fiasco uses white dice and black dice uh, in its narrative storytelling. And then it was basically that I wanted to make a game, and I had these dice sitting around that I was only ever using for Fiasco. So I was like, let me see if I can create a game using two different colors of D6s. And then I did. So <laughs> there you it's, go. it's kind of kind of funny. It's like... Um, what is it? What is it? Necessity is the mother of invention. Yes, uh, and, and it's also the idea of. Um, and I know a lot of people like they wax about like trying to design stuff, and I'm like, in the end of the day, you just gotta try to do it, man. And I mean, yeah. with the ubiquity of like computers and and word processors and everything, it's like get some dice, get an idea, see if it works out, see if it's playing out for you. Um, and and it doesn't always. Right. No, it doesn't. <laughs> you have to constantly, as, as you're probably aware of, so many games that you've designed so far. Uh, you you develop it, you're like oh this is perfect this is great there's nothing wrong with it and then you give it to the players and the players are like this is crap this doesn't work I broke your game yep <laughs> <laughs> now and and there's a certain level of a breakage that I allow mm-hmm. um, because like my game uh, Ampere One that's my supers game uh, supers games are notorious for people trying to break them oh, um, and yeah. people will come up with crazy combinations of powers. And that I would have never thought of. And, but I don't say, well, then that's game breaking. You can't do it. I go, huh, that's a really good combo. Yeah, I totally do that. Yeah. You know, it's like, Scott, you wouldn't you know, know nothing about that, right? There's a certain level. Like, if it's, if I just do this forever, you, everybody dies and I can destroy the world. It's like, oh, well, maybe that's a little overpowered. Yeah. Yeah. I used to run Aberrant. I, I know all about that, uh, that nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> well, it also doesn't help that Aberrant and like was it was very it was proto exalted and so they didn't exactly have the scope in mind. Just right, uh, they did. It just the numbers didn't work out well. Um, I mean that it was a game based on being the uh, you know the 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 top the top dog uh, you know quantum super powered monster god. You're the new gods of the, of the new world. I mean, so, that's basically yeah, the, what the, it the was. power level the power level got crazy real quick, real fast. It really did. Starting characters worked out pretty nicely, but as soon as you got any any kind of experience, yeah. it was oh, it was kind of over at that I, point. I think playtest, 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 yep. playtest, playtest. <laughs> and I think part of the playtesting now, I think it's just you know this is like LARPing or tabletop or salon. If you're gonna run a system, why don't you run a live test with like 
everyone at about as high as you think this system should ever get to and just see what happens because it's really it's gonna fall apart man it's a house of cards just coming down yeah, I guess no one ever thought to run Exalted at 400 points and see what happened. <laughs> oh, I'm sure they did. They just didn't run it enough. That's one of the big issues. Also, and I'm sure Eloy can, can attest to this, is like, you've got you've got schedule crunch, man. You, when you're a writer, you're like, you need X number of words by this time. There may not be time to test. There may not be time, even if you're like, yeah, we've got some time for playtesting. You may not have enough time to playtest enough and then go back and make the changes you need to make. Also... Uh- I would agree with that. Um, there are there are certain kinds of things that I stress that need to be playtested more. Obviously, core systems and everything need to be definitely playtested. Um, when you're adding in like additional supplemental information, uh, not all the time do those things really need to be playtested. Because mm-hmm. there are like sometimes when I'm working on you know additional superpowers or whatever for AMP or an additional like playable race for api or something to that effect um i can kind of eyeball the the level of what it's looking like and how it would fit into the system and i'll you know kind of just do that in my head and uh make a make a make a you know a spot call on it right yeah. there i mean once, um, you, once you have an experienced eye on these you have a things, lot of context yeah exactly but yeah but just the core systems need to be definitely because you have to make sure that it all works out and then adding stuff on is easy after that mm-hmm. um but that's all really cool and i know we got but let's actually get back to the more of the meat of why you're here obviously we could talk forever about all these different things but you have a kickstarter coming up is that correct yeah i actually have a kickstarter it should already be running when this goes live mm-hmm. right indeed and what yeah. is this kickstarter for and what are you looking to do with it so the Kickstarter is for the new PIP system core book. And um, so what we've done is we've taken all of the lessons that we've learned from Mermaid Adventures and Camp Myth and uh, Infestation, and we've kind of boiled those down into one core system. Because what we've been doing with each of the different PIP system games is each one has been pretty different from each other all using the same core system but all kind of built differently and different mm-hmm. attributes different skills and you know different all kind of all around you know fitting the themes of them but what we wanted to do was kind of create a cohesive kind of unified system that would make it easier for people to take this and use it to create their own games and um you know enhance their own you know play styles and whatnot so, so like and i wouldn't say a, a gurps like thing where it's kind of you know it's sort of it can be fitted to sort of any many genres and many themes so that you can you can play the game you want to play exactly so the um so the new system is uh it looks to be it looks like it's going to be you know it's going to be full color it's going to be you know around you know 150 pages you know, six by nine. It's it's actually going to be very akin to um, the Savage Worlds uh, mm-hmm. Explorers Edition. If anybody picked that up uh, years my, ago, my girlfriend absolutely. Uh, I, I actually loves have a Savage couple of copies Worlds. of those. Um, but yeah, it's going to be pretty much akin to that size. Um, so anybody could pick that up, uh, make a character, and start playing without any issue. Right. Um, but then, of course, then they can purchase the additional. Um, setting books and we're gonna, we're revamping mermaid adventures and infestation as part of the kickstarter um, as well to make it you know to convert it and make them you know usable within the new rules 
Um, on top of that, we're also coming out with, I think it's an additional seven or eight um, settings, um, each of which will add in you know, new ways to use the system and whatnot. And hopefully will will be a big uh, selling point for um, people to come in and actually give it a try since we're giving so many different types of experiences um, for the system itself. So are these uh, those seven settings you mentioned, are those the ones listed under as stretch goals as like the Sentai game? And, uh, yes. the others. Yeah. Okay. What kind of word count were you thinking of for each of these? I mean, I, 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 I don't know if that's an appropriate question to ask, but like how much, uh, content, how much, how much content are you thinking for each of these stretch goals? Um, they'll, they'll probably be akin to the, the same size as, um, the core book, I would assume anywhere from about a hundred to 150 pages of additional content. Um, because this is, uh, they don't need to be super big because all of the core rules and everything are going to be in in a separate uh, book. Or they're they're in this they're in the core book, so you don't need that. Yeah, it sounds uh, like you're doing sort of a new wad thing where it's like, uh, because new wad they're like, yeah, hey, here's here's how to play a human, and then we're going to give you all the supplement books that like how you can be a vampire, how you can be a werewolf, or how, how you can, can be... make five humans that team up real well. <laughs> <laughs> Um, less so because again, the, the core book is, it's mostly, it's mostly rules and mm. tips on how to run it for different genres and, and stuff like that. So it's the, the setting books are where you're actually going to delve deep into, um, specific settings and specific themes and tones. Uh, so the core book is like, Hey, here's how the dice work. Here's what the skills are. Here's, you know, some random charts that you can roll on, you know, stuff like that. Um, whereas then now that you know the rules, if you buy the Super Sentai book, now the Super Sentai book is going to introduce how you're using those rules to play that type of game. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, you're, you have your own skills and then you are building your, your Zords or your, your bots, whatever you want to call them. Um, you know, so you're building those up from scratch. There's rules for when you combine and who gets to control it and all kinds of stuff like that. So... Um, and and what we're doing with that book specifically is um, we're not only including just, you know, the Power Rangers flavored version of that, but we also have, um, you know, race car drivers where everybody has a different type of vehicle. Oh, that's um, cool. We have uh, mystical knights, people working together and combining their powers, and you can have even different themes within that one. That sounds amazing. I love it. It sounds like just all my childhood cartoons come to life right there. <laughs> Better get on that Kickstarter then, man. Yeah, maybe, man. I love I love looking at new systems. I love seeing what new people are coming up with. It's the only way I'm going to be like... Because Eloy, and to a lesser extent, me and Scott, are, are sort of a new generation of gamers coming up trying to design new things and come up with dealing with the, the issues that we have in our own life and our own generation that we're trying to express. I mean, Eloy's trying to make a game or may, has made games that deal with the younger generation sorry how do i get younger people into gaming where me and scott are like well we're gonna address a game like because i don't know if you know this eloy but i'm trying we're designing a game called subnet and one of the main conceits of subnet is you're not going to be young forever you're going to get old and you have to worry about your legacy you have to worry about what you're going to do after you've reached your prime and what you want what you want uh your uh for everyone to remember you by and you also have to worry about those damn kids on your heels. That's true. Yes. 
Because because none of them are your kids. Some of them are the damn kids on your lawn that aren't your kids that you don't want on your lawn. I am very concerned about the state of my lawn. <laughs> <laughs> and, and they have face cannons. <laughs> God damn it. I had a face cannon once. It was a it good had... hack. It was a good <laughs> hack. Um, that sounds really cool. Um, so uh, what is like the coolest like stretch goal on that you, you want to reach? Besides, obviously, you um, want you want it to fund. You want it to do that. What is the coolest thing, like, like, like a thousand point thing that you want? Well, I mean, I, I mean, obviously, I like them all uh, equally. Uh, I wouldn't do that really. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> but I think it's really cool. One of the, I think it's the second stretch goal that we have is where we're taking um, the, a game called Low Life: The Rise of the Lowly. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was designed by uh, Andy Hop from Mother Oith uh, Productions. Uh, and, uh, that, that game is so fun. I've played it before. Um, it's already, it's out there for, uh, Savage Worlds. And I talked to Andy Hopp, um, the creator and the artist for it, um, a couple of years ago. And I kept, you know, kind of pushing him for, uh, me to be able to, you know, license it from him and make my own version using the PIP system. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was kind of always kind of a, uh, yeah, you know, we'll get around to doing that, and that sounds good. But as soon as I was ready to make a big push and make a big core book about it, now, um, you know, we we finalized the deal, and and his is the second uh, stretch goal. So I'm really excited to hit that one specifically because I think that um, not only does that game already have a whole uh, a lot of fans behind it, uh, but I really think that uh, using the PIP system will be able to really do that game justice because it is uh, pretty whacked out. Um, if, if you don't know what low life is, um, it's basically where, uh, there was a nuclear war, uh, on the earth and it basically wiped out all of the higher, uh, life forms, but basically all the stuff that would survive, <laughs> um, you know, world war three, mm-hmm. um, those are the things that you get to play. So you play as Twinkies and roaches and worms. <laughs> and stuff like that and you're exploring this world that you've kind of discovered now because humans are gone and you can come out and you're ruling the world and you're fighting for your own kingdoms and stuff like that um and it's just it's just such a crazy game it's such a fun game sounds a lot like gamma world like old school gamma world because i remember playing in college somebody's like let's play gamma world because it was like one shot i played like a mutant rose flower bush like that's what literally what i played I think somebody else was like a psychic squirrel or something like that. So it that that sounds interesting. That sounds super fun. It could be cool. I've never played Gamma World, so mm. it, it sounds like it's kind of close. Um, but I think coupled with uh, Andy Hop's uh, particular art style is what really brings it to life. Um, if you get the chance, go to Mother Oith. Um, oh, <laughs> I think it's MotherOithCreations.com, and it's Mother, um, M-U-T-H-A, and Oith. I'll make, sure to, I'll make sure to put in the show notes so people that anyone yeah, listening to the episode right. can definitely pop yeah, a link and out, see cause... see what we're what we're looking at here. I've never heard of a game where it was like vanilla and kind of boring to play a cockroach. That'd be weird. Like, <laughs> what are you, a human fighter, weirdo? <laughs> <laughs> hey, dude, why the last man? You are you are the last human. That's what you are. Oh man. Oh, who wants to be a snowflake now? <laughs> <laughs> That, well, that's all really good. Um, what else? Uh, so we talked about the Kickstarter, and that's really cool. And we wish you the very best and success from that. Uh, everyone who's listening, please go out and like pimp it out. 
give give him some money, throw some money his way, and like really to see this because we need to fund indie game developers. We need that new content out. Um, no, this is not me signaling the end of the show. We still have plenty of time left. Mm. Uh, actually, I wanted to get a little more into knowing Eloy a little bit better. But um, uh, where did you start a sort of role playing at? Where what was your first game? Uh, my first game was Rifts. Wow. And, um, wow. Ooh, I played that in. for, I would say, a solid six, seven years. Like, Ooh. nothing but Rifts. That's a lot of mega damage. It is. It is. Um, we played, and we actually played, like, we played a lot of, like, God campaigns because the second conversion book had uh, rules for playing godlings and demigods. Mm-hmm. Um, so we played a lot of that. <laughs> so so um, that's, I see, where your inspiration for a couple of your games came from. Yeah, well, making it manageable. I've, I've actually tried my hardest not to take any inspiration from what I did in my Rifts days because <laughs> I was young and um, not all of that was as fun as it should have been. I think it was fun because I was I was at the age where I thought that stuff blowing up was really fun. At well, that time. It's, it's it's so new, new and exciting, and you have yeah. all this power it just in your mind. It's all in the brain. Listen, we've all done yeah. unwholesome things with older systems. Okay, yeah. <laughs> the things I did with Epic Level Dungeons and Dragons three five were just uh, were a war crime. Exactly. <laughs> it was terrible <laughs> against the Juvie Convention. <laughs> and not that I would even disparage Rifts at all, right? Um, but I mean, it, had, it definitely has a special place in my heart. Uh, but I would say that. Um, I graduated from that and hit some other, you know, more evolved systems uh, that really I was able to kind of sink my teeth more into. Well, you know, when I was a child, I spake as a child. I rolled massive damage as a child. Uh... (laughs) Oh, man, Scott, that was good. (laughs) Yeah. But when I became a man, I started playing games that made me think a little bit more. (laughs) And and had abilities that were sentences. Yeah. good way to say that yeah yeah i mean yeah that's and that's something we do talk about on this podcast because we're all in our getting into our 30s or late late 20s and so we're like trying to sort of sort out our the rest of our lives and so gaming it was still a very much powerful passion and we want to keep it in our lives but like the perspective you start getting is a lot different i'm sure eloy you, you understand that very clearly on especially so since you are a father and you are a game designer yourself yeah yeah most definitely. I think, I think too, as a, as a game designer, one of my main things is I'm always trying to, like I said, push myself from a, from a design standpoint, but I'm also trying to um, push buttons and try to hit, um, you know, niches that uh, haven't been touched. Uh, you know, as a, as a game designer, a lot of, you know, I've seen people who are like, I want to come out with a you know, a really cool sci-fi game, and I go, cool, what, what's it going to be about? He's just like, well, it's going to be kind of like cyberpunk, um, but I'm going <laughs> to change, I'm going to tweak this one little thing and make it different. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, that sounds good. Um, you should probably work more on your approach and try and really hit it from a standpoint that uh, will make it very different. Because that's actually one of the cool things about m- my games uh, that, I, that I think is, um, is that basically they all fulfill... Uh, a need for me because if I had said I want to play a game about mermaids and uh, I want to play it with my daughter the very first thing that I did was I went out and I tried to see if there was a game that I could play with my daughter Mm -hmm. um, that was about mermaids and then there wasn't so I made one Uh, so it's it's not like I just make whatever I feel like 
um, because if there's a really cool game, like like if I really wanted to play like a really fun like uh, you know horror or, or urban horror or urban fantasy game, um, I'll go play Urban Shadows because I've done that and it's a really really fun game and it do- it hits a lot of the buttons uh, for that type of game that I would want to play. Um, I don't need to make my own at this point because it's there. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> Oh no, I get it. I mean, why, especially if you're going to do something that not just you're going to use, but you want to try to eventually like put out as your company. I mean, you do this for a living, right? This is, this right. is your job. And so you, exactly. need, you need to make that, that dollar bills. Right. Yeah, exactly. So you do have to make something that is going to be different enough. Um, so that it stands out. Um, amp is actually one of my best selling games, uh, Ampere one, uh, because it's, I, I, the way I basically bill it is that it's not a superheroes game because every other super superhero, every other supers game out there is a superhero game. Right. Um, mine isn't. Mine is a people with superpowers game. Yeah. Um, and that changes the perspective a lot. Um, and I've seen, I've seen people who really, really like that and get that, and I've seen people who will bash the game because it doesn't do what their perception of what a superhero game should do. It's less comic book superheroes and more the show heroes where things are hard and sometimes things suck. Exactly. Yeah, and, and, <laughs> and, and if you and if you get shot, um, that's really bad. Right. Um, you know. <laughs> guns hurt. Yeah, it's also it's it's a lot like what Scott said earlier. It's aberrant. It's a little more like aberrant because aberrant was a was was that type of game. It was trying to be the authority. It was trying to say, hey, this is a normal world with literally gods running around with, that were normal that were normal people with like impossible abilities how does the right. world and them react and amp seems to be very much similar to that um yes and, and there isn't and, and, a really a game out there that covers that level of um i wouldn't say grittiness but i guess that's a good way to describe it yeah i would i would say so and there, i mean there is there is some grittiness in it there's also some you know whimsical and mm. some stuff there's also a lot of thought-provoking things um, what we have the benefit of doing with that particular game line is every book spans a year of time in the game in the game mm-hmm. world. Uh, so we're able to kind of put the timeline under a microscope and be able to say like this happens and then this happens and you can see kind of where it's lining up. There are people who go onto the the, the communities that we have for AMP and they're like, well, we obviously see if, if you just read all of the timeline, you see the lines are connecting to go in this direction. And it's like, yes, it is, um, you know, because, uh, you know, I try to not be I'm not trying to pull pull a fast one on any of my you know readers or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there are obvious themes in there that if you read the books, you can be like, well, that character is going to be evil. Um, and this character is probably going to do something cool in the year four. Yeah, you're, um, the interesting part, you're trying to create a narrative. You're you're legitimately creating a narrative within a role playing game, where a lot like exactly. like D and D or even White Wolf was like until they, especially after they got rid of their meta narrative, was just like here's the setting, you can play whatever you want. But back in the day, I remember them being very hands on of like this stuff is happening at this time, this other stuff yeah. happens at this time. It's all interconnected and all telling this bigger meta narrative with your amp with the amp year one, two, and three. Yeah, but, and a lot of a lot of people are kind of down on meta plots. Um, and because they kind of like they went away with the old world of darkness is what a lot of people believe. Um, but I don't know. It 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 seems to work for for AMP um, and the approach that I'm taking, you know, with it. It's not something that I would do for every game, but I think it fits that game very well. Um, like I wouldn't do that with 
I don't think I don't think I'd really do that with any other game. Maybe with Ninja Crusade, since there's a war going on, mm-hmm. and I could advance the war, you know, with a book or whatever. Um, but the other books, you know, like API is, hey, make up an agent, go fight some monster. You know, it's like you don't really need. I don't need a meta plot for that. Um, you know, there's there's setting. There's there's a, the difference between an established setting and a meta plot. Is the established setting is here's what's happened um, before you, and now here, now it's you. You go and you change the world. You know, whereas a meta plot is where even while you're playing, stuff is also happening. There's you know, it and it's that's kind of hard for some people to kind of wrap their heads around. Um, in today's uh, gaming environment, uh, metaplots aren't, they are not 100% welcomed as a device. They're not in vogue <laughs> right now, basically. Yeah, we had yeah. a whole, we actually had a whole episode about metaplot. Uh, we kind of, we talked about, you know, the various ones that we were involved in and, and, and dealt with. So we, we're, 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 I think, I, I know I'm generally bullish on metaplot. Um, uh, Ryan less so. Mm. I'm okay. I kind of want. I don't want the population. I'm kind of over them a little bit. It's got to be a really good oh, meta plot. I don't. To... I don't mind them being there. I mean, it it doesn't actually hurt for there to be like story beats, events that you know about, and stuff like that. It makes you feel a little bit more in touch with the world. But when it gets to the point where you get hamstrung by the meta plot, which it, of course in your case, Eloy, it does not sound like there's enough content out there to be like there's not like thirty years of this shit yeah, exactly. just laying around to like. Well, actually, ten years ago, this happened. So your your thoughts on that are completely wrong. Yeah, that's no fun, and I, I'm pretty sure you wouldn't like be hurt if someone decided to go say some stuff happened in in AMP that you know. Well, that wasn't your ne- necessarily your idea, but they wrote their own year too, and that's okay. Oh yeah, totally. I tell people that basically the narrative that I'm coming up with every year is what happens if like nothing else happens like if you guys don't go in and stop that event that happened in september of 2017 um well then the rest of the year continues the way that i wrote it mm. but obviously like it's set up for the players to go in and change stuff uh, it's very like, much exalted it's a little bit of exalted i hate to draw parallels there but it's like yeah this is what happens when the pcs don't get involved the world kind of goes to crap because yeah. the PCs are supposed to be important. They're supposed to have an impact on the world and they change events based on continuity. Exactly. Well, that's a really, that's, I think that's a pretty elegant way to handle a meta plot at least. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, and you're right. The, the, the reason world of darkness was so bad is that we're starting to get, especially as it aged into the two thousands, it was like years and years and years of meta plot. And, at the time, you remember that that was one of the new uh, big boys on the on the block, and everyone of like teenage age and high school age and young college age was playing it, and so people are like, "This is so good, so much more true, much more edgy. It's much more, uh, uh, it's much more darker than D and D. D and D is for kids. I'm not a kid anymore because look at me, I'm still rolling dice." And playing in my mom's basement. Um, I'm you know, a vampire now. Yeah, exactly. Matthew, my mom's basement has been referred to the gloom cave. Uh, <laughs> mom is not allowed down here anymore. Uh, no mom's allowed. Unless yeah. she is bringing black candles and or red candles. And, and hot pockets. Oh, also hot, hot pockets. pockets. Yeah, and so that was the idea of... We were up our own 
uh, our generation at that time was we were teenagers who so were up our own ass and we were just like no no it's got to be like this it's in the book have it's you, in these books gm it's gonna happen like that have you ever played in a forgotten realms game with people who have read a lot of forgotten realms novels yes i have i i was one of those jerks yeah, yeah. unfortunately when i was younger and it uh, you know i'm sorry everyone if you're listening <laughs> <laughs> i've learned empathy since then I'm I'm more grown now, and I and I don't like it necessarily when the orc dies. It makes me sad sometimes. <laughs> when the orc cries, sorry, having when the doves cry in my head now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I got Scott. Oh man, uh, wrong way to beat you up later. Yes, yeah, that's um, happening. Actually, uh, since we're on a lighter note, you like like give us a cool like story. What's one of your favorite like gaming war stories? Because that's actually an episode I want to do in a, in a couple episodes. Is like war story episodes. So give us a good one. Oh man, um, I'll give you spot. one from my old Rifts days because uh, uh, that was actually a really fun one. So we went in uh, to this tower or whatever. There were six of us, um, and well, it was really like there were three. There were three uh, players and then three NPCs that we had in there to because we had them as part of the mission. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we brought them in, and um, the plan was to go in, do whatever we needed to do, and then we were supposed to escape off of the roof three of us could fly and the other three couldn't. So each one that could fly would grab one of the others. Um, so that was the, the plan, at least. The math so worked. We, Everything went exactly. flawlessly. There were no problems. Right. So, of course. <laughs> so that's the end of the story. No. Uh, so, so we went in. We did what we needed to do. And as we were escaping, um, actually, we, um, we started getting off. You know, we grabbed the other one on our backs and we took off. And then... One of the bad guys came up, and the GM said, "All right, roll versus uh, paralysis." <laughs> so, and then, of course, everybody rolled, and only the people who could fly missed their roll. Oh no! <laughs> oh dear! <laughs> so it was it was basically everybody was up in the air, and then everybody fell forty stories down to the and ground. And then everyone was not in the air. <laughs> there was much less air to be had by all. <laughs> that, that was a really that it was it was one of those kind of epic failures because it failed in just the right way. Yeah, because like if because like if just the people who couldn't fly failed it, nothing. It would have been whatever. The people who flew would have just taken the people who were paralyzed or, away. Or if one guy like botched it, the other two could like do some hardcore maneuvering, diving, and like grab them before yeah, they hit the ground. Yeah, something epic exactly. and awesome, right? It's like no, no, all three of you flyers, you're down on the ground now. It's like. Well, nope. here's it my carriage sheet. over and done. <laughs> here's my carriage sheet. That was a good campaign, boss. Yeah, yeah. Clap, clap. <laughs> Everyone go home. It's all good. <laughs> the mission was a success, though. So, I mean, that's I, at you, least something. You know, at least you died for a good reason. Heroes have to make sacrifices sometimes. Exactly. <laughs> Some have to faceplant into the asphalt. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, yeah, so, um, actually, we're getting on time right now, Eloy. And uh, we got, we've talked about the Kickstarter. And, again, we wish you the yeah. very best of luck in all of this. Um, so let's go ahead and wrap it up there. Um, where can people find you? How can they contact you? Because they're going to be very, I know once they hear this, they're going to be very interested about you and yours. So where can we uh, contact you? Well, uh, obviously the easiest way to get in contact with us would be at thirdeyegames.net. Um, that's the easiest way. Uh, you can hit.com as well. It'll just redirect you to .net. Got it. Um, <laughs> we're also uh, on Twitter at, at Third Eye Games. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash Third Eye Games. Um, it's pretty easy. Just type in Third Eye Games into Google and you'll find us. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> Fantastic. Um, um, and obviously, we'll have links to the Kickstarter on the main website and pretty much everywhere that we are, we'll be promoting it, uh, you know, for the next 30 days. 
<laughs> yeah, you got to make that money, man. Out of there. And don't worry, um, I'll have links to everything in the show notes. So if anyone's like, hey, I really want to know and you don't want to do much work, just go to the show notes. Bada bing, bada boom, you'll get there. I am there at is. Bioimportance. I am at Divis Mocap. And I'm at Arduous, R-J-U-O-U-S. Um, you can always, if you want feedback or uh, to the show, you can go to polyhedronpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, we'll send you feedback. Yeah, we'll send you feedback. That's what you get. Um, <laughs> we'll also, uh, it, we're also on Twitter at polyhedroncast, at polyhedroncast. Um, and finally, if you really like the show, you want to show support, you want us to expand this show out to get more pe- more interviews, more content, please go over to patreon.com slash polyhedron and think about kicking a couple of bucks, become one of our bosses, become part of our community because we know we still have Kaylee Chambers. She's awesome. She's a she's a trooper. We're like we're like almost to $40 hold music. Levels. Yeah, man. Oh, yeah. You may, get, you may see a tiny, almost imperceptible improvement in the quality of this show here coming up pretty soon. Um, and so from everyone here uh, at, at Polyhedron and Third Eye Games, go where your fun is. Go roll some dice.